0: And welcome to But Where Are You From? A podcast by Be Britain's East and Southeast Asian network. It's us. It's your host, Carly. And we have... Kai. Oh, hey. <laughs> so I don't think we've been on a podcast together, like hosting-wise, have we? This is
1: the no. first. I think the last time was when we were all together in the very first Be Seen episode.
0: Mm, yeah, and also the one where uh, we did it in person. So this, yeah, this is... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is great to do a podcast together because you and I are eerily similar. Similar <laughs> in that we both
1: returned from our holidays. So, Kai, tell us where did you go recently? So, um, just went, just actually came back from Eastbourne um, about an hour before this recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was really, really nice. Um, we had really sunny weather, which is very lucky and um, managed to enjoy the beach and Mm -hmm. go to the Seven Sisters for a little walk. Mm -hmm. Um, And before coming back, we also managed to go to a Korean restaurant uh, for our our final lunch of the trip.
0: Oh, wow. What did you have? That's the main question. What was the main Um, thing, the main
1: dish? I had kimchi fried rice and then Mm -hmm. we shared some Korean fried chicken, obviously. strong strong
0: choices and where is Eastbourne (laughs) in England?
1: So it's on the southeast coast I'm not very good at geography in England it's to the east of Brighton I want to say okay yeah it's very far down south yeah 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 (laughs) yeah we were on this like open top tour bus and um the commentary said uh, people in eastbourne say that you can see france from from um this point on the coast um uh, in eastbourne but this is a myth so that's how far south it is
0: oh so it's not that far not true there. i mean uh, it is it is okay. very
1: far south but yeah i okay. of so france apparently
0: If I sailed from there, would I be able to be, am I sailing in the right direction?
1: Sailed from there to France, you mean?
0: Yeah, if I I wanted to get to France and I sailed, set off from Eastbourne, is that headed in the right direction? Clearly, I have not a clue when it comes to English geography. (laughs) Scottish geography, maybe, but.
1: Mm, I think so. How about your holiday?
0: um i had an oap's holiday i recently returned from my 12 day cruise along the mediterranean with my uh, parents and uh, 13 aunties and uncles all over the age of 60 oh so yes it was uh, i felt like an auntie myself and it was brilliant <laughs> we had um lots of food we were shipped around eating um i mean i was very aware of obviously the very un Uh, environmentally friendly environment it was in but what can you do when you have a load of Chinese aunties and uncles who want to go on holiday together um yeah we ate lots of food and uh we went around places in France and Italy and yes I I feel like I have aged
1: uh, (laughs) years after being on the cruise (laughs) you're living your best auntie life
0: thank you I always will be an auntie I think it's just I'm just living my true self now being an auntie with my other aunties and uncles but yeah but the other thing you haven't mentioned is that you were involved in a very special performance recently
1: will you share a little of your many many talents Kai? Yeah so um, l- this past Sunday uh, with my dance team uh, we performed at this show called Breakout which is um, I think it's been running for 17 years and it's like this annual show in London for the I guess you would say like um, urban dance community um, and yeah so I've I've joined this team like four years ago and um, we've had quite a lot of shows in the last sort of year or so and um, this is the fifth one so it was mm-hmm. it was quite nerve-wracking because I knew like just how big this show was it's quite um a cornerstone show I guess you would say of the community. Sweet and um, apparently it was also the very first show that this team did this team is I think over 10 years old and um, that was the very first show they did when they started out so it's kind of like oh. a, lot of, a lot of pressure oh
0: that's such a lovely um, sentiment like the you know that significance of this show to mm. this team and you were part yeah. of that and yeah. i think you might have to do um uh be seen live soon to teach us something <laughs> news, maybe? last time we had that was what uh happy treat summer last year did we not do a christmas one as well were you like
1: yeah we did uh did yeah. oh yeah we did um was it dynamite bts, BTS. yeah bts yeah,
0: yeah.
1: well i know I um we were long for you. <laughs> yeah i know amy's request keeps requesting um like a, some kind of dance event for uc heritage month
0: folks listen if you want that be scene dance event please 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 uh, share your interest share or rather uh how do i say it not register your interest with us like anyway basically flood the be scene inbox with your absolute enthusiasm for Kai's dance event for EC Heritage Month and you know should you want to see other events in fact should you want to host your own event please remember that the final date to register an event for this year's East and Southeast Asian Heritage Month 2022 is the 30th of June If you go onto our website, beseen.co.uk, you can find the form. And yeah, if you want to host uh, a rival dance event to one, or if you wanted to host, I don't know, like a karaoke session or a collective um, joy with Kanji, or if you wanted to host an East and Southeast Asian movie night, then get in touch, register your event so that we can include it in the program
1: for this year. Also, before we hear from our guests, we have a very exciting new segment, as you might have heard if you've heard the last two episodes. It's called Listener Voicemails, and um, we are inviting our listeners to send in voicemails where you share from your own experiences, um, offering more insights on what it means to be East and Southeast Asian in Britain. Um, If you want more details, please go to bc.co.uk forward slash voicemails, and we'll link that in the show notes as well.
0: Sweet. So well, before we keep on um, harking on, let's hear from our guest.
1: And welcome to But Where Are You From, a podcast by Be Britain's East and Southeast Asian network. I'm your host Kai, my pronouns are she, her, and with me are Carly, (laughs) I wasn't sure whether I was to come in there. Uh, I'm Carly, my pronouns are she and her,
0: and we have a very special guest today.
2: I'm Cynthia. Uh, Cynthia So, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very happy to be here.
0: and it's great because we are doing this podcast just as it's pride month
2: yeah
0: i'm doing a little dance for people
1: who can't actually see me because this is a podcast at the end of the day yeah um for listeners who don't know cynthia has a book coming out um if you still recognize me which is coming out next week how are you feeling about that cynthia
2: uh very nervous <laughs> very excited uh but yeah it's a, it's a real mix of emotions I think it's always um really terrifying to put so much of yourself into something and then have it go out there in the world <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah but I'm very very excited for it to find readers out there so yeah
1: and you your mum is flying over as well. Yes, tomorrow, my mum yeah. is
2: going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> I haven't seen her since uh, February 2020, I think. Oh, so, Yeah. She was like, oh, I have to good. be here for the book launch. <laughs> I was like,
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Auntie's coming to visit. Hooray.
1: <laughs> so, so, congratulations.
0: Goodness. Thank you.
1: So um, we always start with asking our guests um, the question, which is also the name of our podcast, but where are you from?
2: Uh, I am from Hong Kong. Um, I was born there and then I came here to the UK when I was 11 to go to boarding school and then I have stayed here ever since.
0: Wow. Where, a uh, boarding school did you go to roughly? Because I've got a few friends in Hong Kong that have also done a similar journey.
2: Yeah, uh, I went to Wickham Abbey. Okay. of
0: it. Uh, my geography of england is very very poor so That's that fine.
2: kind of it's, question what's a bit of a non-question isn't high Wycombe, which is like 40 minutes away from
0: london it's kind of between ah, okay. london
2: and oxford okay okay
0: oh i see uh, okay. that makes sense because mm, the book is set kind of in oxford i guess yes yeah. uh-huh.
2: i went to uni there and i just really yeah. love oxford so yeah that was kind okay. of why i was like i'll just set the book there <laughs> yeah Uh, we miss it
0: oh have you been have you been back are you based in you're not you're based in london
2: i am based in london um i go back to oxford well i haven't been back since the pandemic but i used to go there like once a year or so at least Mm. Um, they have quite cool like exhibitions in the Ashmolean sometimes that I want to see they did like a witchy one I think in like 2019 or 2018 I don't know time is a blur oh, okay. But, okay. Uh, that was
1: very cool pre-pandemic so, Pre- yeah. pre-covid <laughs> yeah 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 it's all that you studied classics um I actually studied classics as well at uni
2: oh uh, did you yeah <laughs> yeah I know it's, it's so funny because like none of my relatives know what it is they're <laughs> always yeah. like yeah they're always like I think my my grandma was just like what is Latin is that like the dance and I was like <laughs> no
1: yeah so I had yeah, some people thinking that it was like classical guitar related to classical guitar
2: or something yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but it's so rare to see like um other Asians in classics <clears throat> I don't know how it was like Oxford for you
2: yeah I don't think there were many I don't think there were many other East Asians doing it um oh, okay but uh one of my best friends at uh, Gayatri is um originally her family's from India so yeah i think you know there were definitely people of color around but okay. i think the people of color who tended to study classics were all very like like you know very political and like yeah. <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to push back against the i think the historical you know view of classics
0: which is very much dominated by like that's that's a really people interesting yeah like I I don't know if you call oh I guess an observation that you know the both of you Kai and Cynthia you've both studied classics and have noted that there are yeah just far fewer East Asians that are actually in that sort of course.
2: Yeah I guess I don't know because like my family was just so confused by it they were like why what is happening (laughs) what is this so I I don't know maybe it's partly that I don't most people just don't seem to be aware of what it is
0: I mean I suppose if you were to ask as you said the average person what classics is you know you get classical guitar classical I don't know uh anyway
2: yeah they thought it was like some of them were like oh it's like a special part of English like you're just doing like English Mm. classics and I'm like no yeah yeah
0: old Mm. English (laughs) well I guess you know we'll talk about your book because we're really excited about that we both you know it's funny because Kai and I were reading it and we would just send each other snippets of what we'd read Mm. and like how we felt like along the way and you know we were wondering as well like you chose to write it as a young adult novel Um, Mm -hmm. what made you choose this format
2: um, I guess I just really like reading uh, YA. I think growing up um, I I loved reading YA but I just never really saw characters like me in it um, and I think as I was wanting to kind of become a published writer I was thinking about you know whether I wanted to write an adult novel or um, a YA novel and I did think about writing an adult novel and I might still do that at some point later down the line but I think I just felt like that as a teenager the way books impacted me is something that I don't think I've ever felt since like I I can still read books now that really like you know really affect me and that I absolutely love but I just don't think they have the same um, this they don't feel as life-changing as like, really great books do when you're a teenager, but I don't know. Uh, it could be different for different people, but that's how I felt. Um, so I guess I just wanted to write a book that I felt like I really wanted to see as a teenager and hope that there are teenagers uh, out there who also want to see that kind of book. Um, so that's why I decided to write a young adult novel first in the end.
0: Yeah, no, I think um, even even if we're talking about just anyone, uh, you know, who is specifically queer and East Asian, because in, in the book, the main character, Elsie, who is of uh, British Chinese background. And, you know, for it, the novel sort of in the beginning, it seems like she's already aware of her, her queerness, but then becomes more reassured of her identity as you um progress in the story and I think it's you know regardless of whether you're a teenager or not I think that's still something that anyone would want to read in because that representation is is very rare
2: yeah yeah I definitely think um I remember that as a teenager um when Melinda Lowe's books came out um I was like oh my god this is like incredible like um to have like um, a kind of American Chinese lesbian voice in YA um, was just like such a revelation at the time there was nothing really like it Um, and I still think that uh, here in the UK especially there's still not many East Asians writing um, and publishing books in the YA sphere so yeah
1: yeah, I think um, I've been reading a lot of YA novels, actually, and I think, like you said, it's because, you know, we were lacking that kind of representation when we were, when we were younger. So just reading these YA novels um, is kind of like a balm for my younger soul, sort of yeah. like, you know, the things that I was missing and I kind of like finally get to read those things in print um, as an adult. And I guess it also makes sense to have it as a YA novel because else you can see sort of Elsie's um, identity developing and that kind of makes sense to see it as in a teenager. Not to say that adults' identities don't develop later on as well, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So actually that kind of leads us quite nicely on to the next question, um, which is to ask you what sort of made you feel seen when you were younger while exploring your identity, whether it's um, the book that you mentioned by Melinda Lowe or other sort of media uh
2: yeah I think it's tricky because probably there there weren't a lot of things that made me feel seen I think definitely it was really cool to see Melinda's Melinda Lowe's books on the shelves in Waterstones um but aside from that I mean I I think I watched uh some queer anime (laughs) I read a lot of fanfic, obviously, is the book is also a lot about that, um, but I think outside of those things, I don't think I really felt like I saw myself in the media here in the UK, um, and I still don't know if it's changed that much, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether you have, like, other examples.
1: <laughs> Well, um, something that we, yeah, as you mentioned, so fan fiction, um, and also Tumblr is something that we both are <laughs> related to. And um, Carly, you were saying that maybe um, some young young people now might not know what Tumblr is, but we both instantly <laughs> recognised it. So for for the younger listeners, <laughs> to our podcast
0: Tumblr is a platform that still is active today, but it's not quite in the same format as it was back in what 2000 and I think I used it the most in 2010, like 10, 11, Mm, maybe yeah about that yeah 2013 that was kind of like the last of it. Um, Basically what happens on Tumblr stays on Tumblr, you splurge out all your feelings, fandom, shipping, in fact (laughs) just a couple of nights ago I went through my old Tumblr blog and I looked up the tags list that I used to compile and wow, there were a lot of feelings <laughs> in them, shall I say? <laughs> yeah,
2: definitely. I think, yeah, I think Tumblr is a little different now, but it's not. It's not like it's dead. It's definitely my Tumblr dashboard is still as active as it used to be. I think it just depends on what kind of people you follow and what fandoms you're in. But yeah, it is extremely like everyone is obsessed with like our flag means death. I don't, it's all gay pirates all day.
0: It's a very, very unique uh, platform and space. And I think if anyone hasn't had a Tumblr, have a look, give it a a try. But, you know, be warned, you'll end up spending hours scrolling. But I suppose Instagram kind of serves that. Yeah,
2: that's like any social media. I guess everyone's like on TikTok
0: (laughs) these days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess guess Tumblr was the OG before scrolling aimlessly and Mm -hmm. constantly was a thing. But in fact, I'm curious to know now, what fandoms were you into Cynthia or is that too um, too personal a question to I've ask? I've
2: been in many fandoms because I've, I've been into fan fiction since I was like 11 years old um, so it's been a very long history of like I was like into some anime fandoms and I was like uh into like Sherlock Holmes and then like just various things like I liked Marvel for a while like I was into the Avengers for a little bit um and then yeah it's just and then I was really obsessed with like now I'm like really into like um uh like d like Dungeons and Dragons okay d mm-hmm. d actual play shows so yeah it's just it's always evolving <laughs> I'm always like finding new fandoms that I'm drawn into
0: I mean, that's that's far cooler than me. I don't know about you, Kai, but I used to be really, really heavy into the Downton Abbey fandom.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. There <laughs> I mean, was like, lots
0: of
2: people who have been very into Downton Abbey.
0: Yeah, I mean, not anymore. But when it first came out, I was like really pining and there was a lot of emotion from Downton and Doctor Who, of course. But anyway, I'm sure, Kai, you were probably into some much cooler fandoms.
1: Um, I don't know if it was cooler I was I was really big into the Harry Potter fandom and my really oh, um, yeah. embarrassing ship little couple that I used to ship was Draco and Hermione like, I, was, <laughs> I used to read loads of fan fiction um with them in it
2: I still I mean like obviously Harry Potter is forever tainted by you know yeah. J.K. Rowling just out there constantly being extremely transphobic but um I I was also very into Harry Potter when I was younger, and yeah, I I still have lots of feelings about it. It's just I'm just mm. like, please
0: stop. <laughs> did Did any of you ever make OCs, original characters, and write fanfic and write your OCs into them, or write yourselves into the fanfic of the characters? I mean, I I, I didn't, but I thought about it.
2: <laughs> I I did. I think this is when I was like 11 in in some of my first fandoms I think I briefly I think I wrote one fanfic that had like an original character in it yeah
0: this is this is a podcast that's unveiling a lot about ourselves I've hidden away (laughs) for a very very long time (laughs) (laughs) okay so next thing that we wanted to ask you is that you know one thing that know we kind of think that a lot of queer young people reading your novel will appreciate is a depiction of the range of queer identities and experiences. Um, Particularly for me there was one part in the book where Elsie was talking to Felix, uh, her colleague, and how she was sort of thinking back the first time or or the sort of first few experiences where she thought about queerness and how she was in relation to that and there was one particular paragraph in which she mentions that Kate and Penny two of the most visible queer girls at school and how they dressed and how she couldn't quite, at the time anyway, disassociate almost a physical appearance from the queerness. And then also she mentions this um, quite a profound uh, statement is that, you know, the worst thing is that I've never been able to figure out whether this awareness of being set apart from others is something that I've internalised. So that I just feel like I'm unwelcome because of the long history of not belonging. And I think that was such a moment when I read it, like it encapsulated not just that physical association or appearance of queerness, which I definitely felt for art school, but also that layer of being, a, you know, POC and ethnic minority in the UK in particular. And yeah, I just I just wanted to ask whether this was like a conscious decision to have such a range of Identities, you know, in amongst not just Elsie herself, but also the other um characters that that we meet throughout the book.
2: Yeah, I think it's I do feel like, you know, I, I did have lots of different queer characters in it. And I'm trying to think whether it was like conscious that there were such a range of identities in the book. And maybe it was conscious but I also think that if you have been if if you have been kind of like in the queer community you have lots of queer fat friends you kind of like you just find yourself like knowing lots of different people with different experiences and different identities and it feels kind of natural to put that into the book um, so I don't know that 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 I thought about like incorporating these different identities um that deliberately um but it just kind of it just seemed like I was like I'm just I think I was like I did I did think oh I'm just gonna put loads of queer characters in there and everyone's gonna be queer um but other than that um yeah I just I I guess it's like um because you know growing up all all the books I read like were there were so few queer books and um, that if you had queer books, like it was only like, you know, one or two, of the characters were queer. I think it's kind of a reaction to that where you're like, you know, queer people do end up being in friend groups that are like mostly queer sometimes, you know? So I just wanted to put that into the book uh, and I was like, I can do it now, you know, people, publishers are publishing books where there are lots of queer characters so why not do it
0: yeah yeah definitely and I think as well like you were mentioning whenever there were queer books you know when we were growing up it tended to be just one or two characters whereas in yours you know we have this wonderful range and it in a way it means the characters are no longer defined by their queerness it's not their character trait Uh, rather it's more normalized it's just that they happen to be queer and that yeah you're right you know if you if you have um if you're queer you tend to meet other queer folks or you are in friend groups that are um more queer but perhaps then it's it's this we talked about like representation or we're thinking about that how there's a lack of in the media whereas perhaps it's it's not that there were never queer people around it's just that there are lots of different types of queer people it's just that we didn't see them so I think in your book to have you know not just different personalities and um different people backgrounds with who are queer but also age is another factor Mm -hmm. yeah and it kind of leads into as well um you know different backgrounds we see glimpses of the queer culture in, in Hong Kong We meet John, who talks about TBs, TBGs, and what these mean, which stands for tomboy and tomboy's girl. Um, you tell us a bit more about how it was to write about this. Did you, um, is that from you know revisiting Hong Kong, or you know how did you, um, yeah, I guess tell us how did you go about writing this part of the book?
2: Um, I guess so because I grew up like I spent my teenage years mostly in the UK, um. But what I did was that I would still like look up sort of queer Hong Kong websites and stuff and try to figure out what was going on over there. Because I think as a teenager, I was like very lonely and I didn't really know many other queer people. And I was like, oh my God, like where are all the other queer people? So I was like trying to find out what kind of queer stuff there was going on in Hong Kong. Um, So I knew a little bit about it from kind of like the forums that existed when I was a teenager. Um, but then kind of w- around the time when I was writing the book, I also um, followed uh, some YouTubers who are like queer or like lesbians in Hong Kong. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's I, I don't I guess I don't have much personal experience of the queer culture in Hong Kong, but um, it, I, I do like how uh, there's, lots of youtubers these days um who are queer from like lots of different countries and it's really cool to just like watch their videos and find out like what their lives are like so yeah I think uh yeah it's I hope I did it right like I you know tried my best to do the research um but it's definitely not something that I have that much personal experience of so
1: I think what you described about um you know sort of researching things in the culture in Hong Kong um, while also still growing up in Britain is what happens is um, being part of the diaspora um, mm-hmm. and that is something that I really um, liked reading in your book is LC being part of a Chinese diaspora in Britain um, and as you said before we don't have that many books um, whether it's for adults or um, young adults um and so it was really it's really nice to read these even just like little details of um Elsie being you know at home with her Chinese family and um but also you know having friends uh, from different backgrounds um and straddling those two worlds um was it to um sort of depict both both of those worlds for Elsie
2: is yeah I think that's also really interesting as well because like I obviously had had a different experience from Elsie in that like I'm kind of the first generation of my family here in the UK Um, and uh, it is really interesting to kind of think about how different it might have been if my family had been here um, before me Um, and been around me as I was growing up. Because that's also another difference, is that um because I went to boarding school, I just didn't really have my parents around me um during my teenage years. Uh so it it's it's just like quite a fun thing to explore, I think. Um and I I just think that family dynamics are always really interesting to write about. Um, and it, it's about kind of like, for me, it's like trying to represent um, a family in a way that isn't like, I, I don't, I never want to be like too negative in what I write. Like I understand that there are definitely um family dynamics out there that are very like toxic and very like very negative um, but for me personally I did want to write a more light-hearted book um, so it's about trying to like keep some sense of realism um while still showing that there's like you know a very um kind of a lot of like changing of like attitudes um, and people who are like bonding and growing closer Um, so yeah I guess I don't know where my answer went with that Uh, kind of rambled a bit Um, but it's I think this this whole like family thing is something that I'm still like working on trying to like explore in my next book as well because I just think there's like so much more um that that you just can't really go into in one book um
1: yeah Yeah, I definitely um loved seeing the relationships in in Elsie's family um sort of blossom um especially around Elsie's identity and um her grandma coming over as well and um some other bits that I won't reveal um but yeah it was obviously as a diaspora it's not uncommon to have um extended family across long distances Mm -hmm. and um it was really interesting for me to see you know Elsie observing the dynamics in her family um and also yeah like in her parents generation and things shifting as you were describing and um how as a child that kind of reminded me of as a child um, me observing like my parents and my uncles and aunties and my grandparents.
2: Yeah Um, I think because I when I was younger um, like all four of my grandparents um, were still alive when I was born so I did get to know all four of them Um, and uh, I just think I, I love writing about grandparents um and I think they're they're just really interesting in uh the obviously they're all very different but it's just very interesting to write about kind of different ways in which some people are like sticking to tradition or like kind of diverging from it I guess um yeah and And, yeah and
0: also especially how when it comes to much older Chinese parents and grandparents how do they process and unpack their generational trauma or unpack and unlearn things that maybe they're so used to in terms of tradition or in terms of perhaps their um, conservatism and Mm -hmm. trying to navigate what they've been used to in comparison to what they feel like they must change because otherwise it can cost it can have a very real cost in terms yeah. of whether it's friendships, relationships, or that parent and child dynamic, and I and I also wanted to say as well, like um, being able to read some of that Cantonese and having that woven into um, not just like how Elsie communicates with um, her mom and dad, but also highlighting that it is a very re- it is a very real situation where. Um, Language is a huge part in the dynamic between grandparents and how Elsie, you know, recalls certain fond memories or or feelings, or um yeah, whenever, like, for example, her grandma says guai shun, which means um, you know, dear grandchild, or whenever they call her tao which means like kind of tomboy. And I really like that being woven in because I think not just as someone who is of like a Cantonese-speaking diaspora, but also you know once this goes out hopefully there'll be lots of people now using terms like guai shun just like the other day when when viv was mentioning how leng is now a phrase that's being used to replace peng and leng actually (laughs) in cantonese means pretty or beautiful or leng so it's, it's funny how these kind of um words have been adapted in their own way by perhaps uh um you know non-Cantonese or or white majority in the UK so it'd be great if one day you know um you hear people on the street (laughs) saying oh yeah I know what guai shun means because I've read uh, Cynthia's book that's really interesting I didn't know that
2: uh lang was being used um but yeah I think it's also the I think the struggle with language is just always such a like concern i guess or like an issue um for for me i'm always like oh god like i lose more and more of my cantonese every day and i'm just like i feel, I feel really awkward whenever i have to like communicate like extensively in cantonese and i'm like i don't know any slang like so it, it, yeah it's it's a tough relationship i think that a lot of us have with our languages
0: Yeah, and especially if like for, I mean, I grew up in the UK, so I've learned all my Cantonese through my parents was very dated and I've learned it through TV. And I'm I'm not sure about yourself who you've moved during your teenage years. But when discussing like such topics in English, it's already difficult. And then you have to add on a layer of saying it in a different language. And then you've got to add on another layer of certain terms or slang that, you know, you might not have access to if it were not for I guess like meeting other people who are of a similar background or um or the internet, I guess. So that that kind of um multi-layeredness uh, to like Elsie's story is so fascinating. And I think it's it's really hopefully adding um uh, more like as well as diversity, but also just awareness around um what it means to be queer and especially in uh you know, second generation or first generation immigrant space and also of being Asian and yeah. having a language barrier.
2: Yeah, definitely. I guess it's also just like interesting to think about um all the people from Hong Kong who are moving here now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be like I when I wrote this book, it was in 2019. So the world was very different back then. <sighs> um, but I think with my next book I'm sort of trying to take that into consideration um yeah that's that's really I hope that my book will find some readers I guess amongst the the new kind of wave of people who are coming here but definitely definitely. because
0: I think I think also like it's not just the um new community I guess a new diaspora that is coming over but also for their kids in future as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and having talked so much about family, obviously family is one is one like form of love that we see in the book. Um, and then there's also the romantic aspect. Um, but I really um, enjoyed um, seeing the friendship as well, the, the many friendships that Elsie had, um, especially with uh, Ritika, um, and seeing sort of, sort of that um, female friendship um, um, throughout the book. Um, so. How was it to portray all these different kinds of love and friendships um, in the book?
2: I think for me, like love is kind of the primary motivation. Really, <laughs> it's like I guess growing up writing fanfic, it feels like you know, so much fanfic is about romantic love, um, but it, it for me, it's kind of like the the main thing that gets me through a story. Um, is trying to write about love that is, like, growing and um, evolving. And so I just think it's really... I also love, like, female friendships in books. And I guess it's also cool to, like, write a female friendship between two um, women of colour. And, yeah, it's just... I guess it's like I, 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 would, I don't know how to like not write about love is the thing like I'm like this is the, for me it's like the main thing that I want to write about mm-hmm. um, and it's good to because I haven't really written anything this long um, before um, it's good to be able to explore so many different forms of it in kind of one piece of work um, so yeah I just really enjoyed doing that
0: yeah so speaking of like different forms of love um without spoiling but there is um how do I put it subtly without uh know exposing really what happens to um yeah okay Rebecca and her storyline I'll put it that way <laughs> I love how we learn a different type of love and how that becomes god this is very hard not to like talk about (laughs) a book or a plot line when i know this is i mean it's very anticipated but how do you anyway but i love um yeah the that kind of storyline and how we kind of learn of love in perhaps a different manner or a love between also the parental love is what really strikes me you know um especially when papa um elsie's grandmother on her mum's side, her maternal grandmother and how love has also led to some very difficult moments for the family or also how does that very contradictory um, desire for the best for your children, for that love for your children can manifest into something that can be quite dark and I think yeah it's not just a, a romantic or a platonic love between young adults and that search for identity but also on the other end you have parents wanting to understand their children and 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 trying to work out you know what happens when your love is so um is is so like almost bountiful but at the same time it's so powerful that it can lead to some very damaging actions is that is that very spoilery I hope not but (laughs) I love that kind of different types of love
2: yeah no I don't think that was very spoilery I think it is very tricky to talk about the book without like when sometimes like I've had a couple of readers like message me while they're like in the middle of reading the book I'm like they're saying things that I'm like like, don't say that (laughs) but like I can't be like oh it's not gonna like I don't know so I'm just like oh yeah cool (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, but yeah I think for me, one of the main things, the main kind of messages about love in the book is kind of how there's definitely, like, I, I did portray, like, unhealthy versions of love in the mm, book. Mm-hmm. And I guess mainly I just wanted to show that, that love should really, like, in, in its healthiest form should really be about truly wanting to see the other person. And mm-hmm. understand who they are um, instead of kind of imposing your own kind yes. of views of who, who this person is on them um, so yeah I think yeah it's <laughs> not to yeah, take and anything that, away
0: and that resonates throughout in in a lot of the characters
1: yeah I think Elsie also went on quite, quite a journey with um, I guess her views of love from the start of the book um, and then to eventually I guess you can you can see sort of more self-love towards the end as well
2: I just think that even now like because I wrote the book in 2019 like I'm constantly like I still find myself thinking about love differently all the time like I'm still learning um, about what I think love should be like and so I just think it's it's a journey you spend probably your whole life going on. Um, and yeah, <laughs> the next book is also going to be more about that again.
1: And something that I think um, expressed how Elsie showed more self-love to herself. Um, there were two passages that I really liked. Um, one was where she was standing in front of her wardrobe evaluating her fa- her clothing items um, and sort of how that showed her gender expression Um, and the other one was um, where she was sort of reflecting on Eurocentric beauty standards and how she grew up thinking that um, to be beautiful meant you have to look like white women in the media Um, and I certainly know I wish I'd read this when I was younger um, because I just thought those two passages were really powerful.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that was really important to me, I think, as well. Yeah, I, you know, it's just... Because you still don't really... The depictions of Asian women are so polarised in the media. Um, and it's hard to find, like, a really nuanced <laughs> um, Asian character, really, still. Um, so I think it's just hard to grow up without seeing yourself... Um, in in the media around you um and yeah I I I I just yeah I I hope that like you know I'm giving teenagers out there more of a
0: um
2: a a kind of a better kind of vision
0: yeah in regards to like the beauty standards I think that passage about how white women are portrayed in the media you did it so well and it was so like subtle but on point I just think yeah it's I wish I had read that as well I think it would have helped me to unpack a lot of things at a very early stage and to actually see not just how media portrays um certain ethnic backgrounds or nationalities but also as well how East Asian or Asian women are scene yeah
2: and that that actually reminds me that the other thing that I tried to do in the book was like celebrate kind of um masculinity in women like you know butchers and um uh, other other mask kind of presenting women um so I, I guess it's like part of that you know the beauty standards thing is that um a lot of people you know grow up kind of really trying to reject that because uh, I know certainly when I was a teenager like everyone was like oh like oh this person's so birch," like like in you know a disgusted kind of way um, and so everyone kind of like tries avoid <laughs> falling into that category um, but you know birches
0: are beautiful so yeah just try to put that in the book a lot <laughs> yeah definitely And that description of of yeah the beauty in in being well quote unquote mask defined by societal standards and the the differences in just not having to always be super feminine and celebrating that difference yeah I thought that was I wish I had read that as a teenager Mm -hmm. Thank
1: (laughs) thank you that was really interesting and um Something else we wanted to talk to you about. Obviously, the characters travel around the UK quite a bit. Sometimes it seems like traveling around the UK isn't is something that maybe isn't so much done by um, people of color. So it was quite um, it was quite interesting to see um, you know Elsie and her friends uh, going to different places around the UK. Is that something that reflects what you like doing as well? Sort of traveling um, to different places.
2: Yeah, uh, I love traveling around the UK. Um, when I was at school, um, my mom and I did quite a few like road trips around the UK, and there's just like lot. There's so many beautiful places uh, around the UK, and I think you know more people should appreciate that. And um, it's not just you don't have to go abroad to see lots of beautiful sites. So yeah, I really, I really enjoy traveling around the UK. Um, train tickets are obviously sometimes extremely, extremely expensive. But um I do try to make the most of it when I can. Probably should renew my rail card soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think my next book's going to be mainly set in London. But uh I think before I moved to London, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like London. I don't, I don't want to move there. It's so, so great. Um, but then I moved to London and it's, it's now I'm, I'm very much in love with the city. So I think the next book's going to be kind of celebrating London. I think it is tricky because with people of colour, like obviously outside of London, there are, there's much, um there's not as much diversity in a lot of um towns um and that can lead to like a lot more like racist comments and stuff which um is definitely not not good um so I can understand why you know some people like staying in a city and not leaving um yeah
0: I love how you said that uh, london is gray you clearly haven't been to glasgow yet no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i have been to glasgow have you uh, okay glasgow, must have been a good very day young. Then.
0: Okay.
2: um but i do want to go to glasgow again um, i mean if you visit
0: actually this week has been crap don't bother <laughs> if you come up bring some sunshine Okay. it's such a trope but it's so true and actually as uh the only Scottish member in BC I was very very happy to read that uh Joan's stepmom went to, to Scotland even though she went to Edinburgh but you know I'll accept that I'll take that one <laughs> I
2: love Edinburgh <laughs> I, I've been I'll pretend Edinburgh I didn't hear
0: that yeah I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding to our Edinburgh fans uh, I accept you <laughs> I also wanted to add as well, apart from this Edinburgh and Glasgow debate, it was really nice reading the descriptions of Elsie making food um, for her pawpaw when her parents were out. That bonding with relatives through food, I completely, yes, I I do that all the time. And also there's a moment where she thinks about different family members in relation to the food that either they make for her or she just associates them with that memory and yeah that was just so nice reading that and I wanted to ask you know how how did you pick the dishes was that from like your own experience or was it just your favorite dishes and you just assign them to different characters or did you think about what that character would kind of make that best represented them and put it in the book
1: um
2: I guess I you know it's a lot of um I just love food and um my I loved eating my grandparents' cooking when I was younger. Uh, So, some of the dishes are definitely kind of inspired by them. Um, And also, just I think with picking the dishes that I kind of write about, it's also like trying to make them distinct because in a book, you kind of want people to be able to distinguish between different things more easily. Whereas, like, you know, in real life, you might be having like I don't know, a stir-fried egg with something different, <laughs> than, like, every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, so I picked, like, the soy sauce chicken wings because um, I think there's a fun element to, like, kind of how sticky they are to eat. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the main food item in the book. Um, and, yeah, just try to, like, pick other different food items that sound- sounded different enough from that so that people could, like, Really easily kind of associate something with somebody, um, but definitely, yeah, really love food. Um, and everyone, everyone who reads this book is just like the food. I
0: was, yeah, like, yes, I, I was salivating. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if if you had to pick only one Chinese dish, and you had to eat it every day for the rest of your life, what would what is the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: That's so sad.
0: I mean, I mean, if it's your favorite, surely, surely, it's not sad because you enjoy it. But then, yes, it's sad in that you're limited to this one dish. So, from tonight onwards, I don't know if you've had your dinner yet. It's um six fifty one p.m. But I'm assuming you haven't. If your next meal has to be like the only thing you eat for the rest of your life, what would you choose?
2: I can't. I can give do you that. a
0: bowl of rice. I can, I can, <laughs> as like um a good but like, kind gesture, I will oh, give you. you a bowl of rice and you can have as many bowls of rice as you want I'll give you like the usual condiments of like I don't know chili oil and and soy sauce whatever but only one dish what would it be
2: I don't I can't do it I just can't <laughs> that's so sad I the thing is because like I really like um which I, was I think too. There's, yeah there's okay. like one mention of it in the book I really like it but the problem with it is there's not much veg in it so like if I ate that the, and it's spicy so if I ate that every day for the rest <laughs> of my life I wouldn't be doing very well
0: <laughs> well wait it's but it's dullful. it's that's well it's kind of veg, right and then also
2: <laughs> you veg. say
0: you say is it not well, it's thoughtful like, or not veg? you No, know,
2: it's not like no it's not, not green veg, veg yeah you need green veg in there
0: yeah I know but you know you've got what spring onions and that'll that'll count and (laughs) and chilies chilies right that's veg it's not red well it's a bit green you can put anyway but you said you wouldn't do very well surely that chili and hotness that would you would
1: detox all the time no yeah Yeah. no
0: you don't look convinced none of you (laughs) look convinced
1: (laughs) So, if you had to choose between the, these two teams, it's a very polarizing question. Um, I'd be seen. Would you choose Team Rice or Team Noodles?
2: It would be Team Rice.
1: Yeah,
0: oh, okay. we're in good company here. I Ty just and I are also love
2: rice. <laughs> I'm always I, like I rice guess. life. It's yes,
0: yeah. Nothing can beat it. Which so I'm glad you've answered rice. Now the next question is when you when you cook. I'm assuming when you make mapo tofu, right? If it's, if you're adding, I don't know, actually, do you add ginger in mapo tofu? Um, I usually do, yeah. Okay. Now, thumb-sized ginger. Is that thumb, as in from the tip of your thumb to the kind of first joint? where your thumb confused print? me as well.
2: But I'm just like, you know, it doesn't really matter because nobody who's actually, like, like, surely my grandparents, when they're cooking, are not thinking about thumb-sized ginger. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, you just ginger. chuck it in.
0: So then if you were reading thumb size, now is that that print section or is that the whole thumb, like the actual top to where it joins to your palm, thumb size?
2: I guess just this bit, the, this <gasps> top bit, not, not the whole thumb, I don't know. I
0: feel seen, see, thumb size ginger can just be the tip to the first join listeners. <laughs> thumb size is not necessarily from the tip to the part where it joins to your palm or is that your palm? Yeah it's not it's not it's not very clear though is it I don't know see well Cynthia agrees of me so
2: yeah
0: back to some perhaps more (laughs) sensible questions because we're really you know both Kai and I as I said we were you know messaging each other as we were reading it and a lot of it resonated with us and I wanted to ask and you've mentioned it as well for it today's podcast uh, is that there's a next book now, is that a sequel? Do we get to find out more about Elsie's journey? And you mentioned it's set in London. So perhaps is that post-university? <laughs> or is it going to be something completely different? Tell us, can you, can you share?
2: Uh, it's going to be something completely different. So not a sequel. Um, however, uh, there is going to be lots of food in it. <laughs> because okay. um, I was kind of like, I was struggling to come up with a new idea because, uh, you know, it was like the middle of the pandemic. I was like, oh, God, I don't have any ideas. I've just been sitting in my room for two years now. <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? And then I was just kind of like, everyone loves the food. So maybe something, maybe if I would like really go hard into the food element. Um, so that, that is kind of like going to be the, the central thing is the food um
0: there is gonna be a food blogger and yeah that's (laughs) <laughs> as much as I can say right now so maybe the food blogger will offer their thoughts on thumb sized ginger as well Oh, <laughs> they
2: should. Yeah. and they
0: should. and I hope that there may be more rice references yeah. Um, but it seems like so there's no, well not yet anyway any official sequel so that means Kai and I will have to champion the fandom and yeah. satisfy the fans by writing fan fiction write it, over. write the yeah. fan
2: fiction
0: yeah we'll do the sequel and we can uh, make it hopefully a up- canon if it's with the author's approval oh
2: yeah <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah i'll like link to it on my twitter i'll be like look at this this oh official, my god yeah official sequel authorized
0: oh my god yeah okay actually kai you're better writing you write it i'll do the edits and i'll do like the the fan art yeah like, okay, okay like, that's yes, our sorted. sorted yeah, yeah. I
1: would love and we that. have to feature it on
0: tumblr as well oh yeah please do please get loads of reblogs and then also what we'll do is remember when people in the fandom if it was like books especially and there was no movie or tv adaptation people would like choose different actors to represent what the characters would look like I'll do that too and I'll do that what's that board where you choose like the different clothes of what a character it wasn't called a zazzle what was it called I can't remember something. Like you know, that you know what I'm talking about. though like you different yeah. clothes, and it's like a mood board, and it was like, yeah, this is what that character would wear. Yeah, and we could we could do that. We could make that canon.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I would be interested to know who you would cast because I'm just like I don't actually know that many like a- a- actresses around this
0: age that would be. I don't know. Like, oh, I think. Have you ever seen? Uh, oh, what's that Netflix film? And it's oh, hold on, I need to do some googling. What's that Netflix film and the Asian? Uh, it's an Asian lead. Um, mm-hmm. She is, is. she called Alex? And and um, they're. Oh my god, what's it called? It's not Always Be My Maybe. It's the other one. It's the young. It's the teen one. The one at school. The half of it. Is it half? Oh, that's it. So the half of it. So that. That girl would be cast yes. in the movie adaptation, yes, and actually, then who that's else?
2: That's very good.
0: Who else? I, um, I feel like the mum could be Michelle Yeoh. Maybe it should be more of like the grandmother. No, but when Michelle Yeoh's quite young to be the grandmother. Can we cast what like old a Hong is Michelle Kong? Michelle Actually,
2: I'm like I have no idea
0: how old she is. Uh, I don't want to hazard a guess, but um. I. <laughs> yeah we could we could definitely come up with a casting list kai have you got any you got any suggestions oh ritika as well Rit- ritika ritika uh, i think it's Rit-
2: Ritika. yeah
0: okay um yeah we'll we'll come up with a cast list and send yeah. it to you to have you canonize it <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah that will be great
1: that's very exciting Thank you so much for, for all your time, Cynthia. It's been so fun to, to reminisce on Tumblr fanfiction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. um to talk about you know the ins and outs of um, your book and you know how much thought you put into it. And I've been raving on about the book um since I finished reading it and um got my sister to read it and then passed oh, it on to Carly. That's great. <laughs> yeah, my sister's in year 13 right now, so she's at oh, that, that that's age.
2: Yeah, yes, this is the uh, thing, because I'm always like, will actual teenagers find it relatable? I don't know. <laughs> That's the scary part.
1: She quite enjoyed it. So I you've guess. got one, you've got at least one fan who's a teenager. That's great. <laughs> listeners, make sure you go and buy Cynthia's book. Cool. And before we go, uh, Cynthia, where can our listeners find you, actually?
2: Um, I am on Instagram at cynthia so Writes, Um, And I am on Twitter at synesthete which is spelt with a c so c-y-n-a-e-s-t-h-e-t-e i don't know why i came up with such a difficult twitter username it's too late now (laughs) but yeah
0: I mean, it's very unique. I wouldn't want to share what my Twitter name is. Uh, it's perhaps very, very strange, but that's great. We can certainly tag you in the fan art and edits and yes. uh, actor castings that we make and any fan fiction that we write as well for your novel.
2: Great, thank you.
1: So thank you again, Cynthia. And um, good luck with the launch next week. And I also happy, hope you have a good time with your mum.
2: Thanks. Very exciting, oh God. Tomorrow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be so ecstatic to see you. And also for the 9th of June, a very important day. Oh. Ooh, yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank, thank you, you, you very much.
1: Bye. bye bye. Bye. How do we find that chat? Um, because I feel like I've been sort of that that podcast recording has been sort of in my calendar for so long and I've been looking forward to it for quite a long time because um, I really enjoyed the book um, it was really uh, fulfilling I guess to sort of be able to talk to Cynthia and hear about mm. their process writing the book and yeah. um, sort of delve into um, their own sort of family family life and mm. you know thoughts about being queer and thoughts about you know representation um, for young people um, in young east and southeast Asian people in Britain how did you find that Carly?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, not only did Simvia's book totally transport me back to 2012 and my teenage self thinking about fandoms and, you know, thinking about that point in my life where you're going through a lot, not just as like um, a teenager, but also where you sit within like your family, your, your peers, your friends, your your um, your schoolmates, also like being ethnically different you know being a Chinese diaspora and then to add into that when you start thinking about queerness and what does that mean and it's all through this space of like internet fandoms talking to Cynthia was not only just absolutely brilliant to hear the author side of it but also kind of like meeting a fanfic writer you know like of a fan fiction that you've been reading because obviously growing up we never had novels like this so yeah and it was brilliant Mm. and and just to hear more about I guess whenever you speak to an author about their book and finding more about how the characters came
1: about, like that world just, you know, keeps expanding. Mm, yeah. Cynthia was really um, down to earth to speak to as well. It's cool to bond with them about um, both having studied classics.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was surprised that, I, I mean, am I surprised? I guess because it is such a uh, Eurocentric and um, classics being viewed as the foundation of a lot of, uh, what's the word like not 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 foundation of democracy but you know foundation of civilization especially Mm. um the western and and the white um vision of that so yeah it was really interesting to hear how that is not a very ethnically diverse kind
1: of field Mm. yeah i think in um east side voices helena lee um studied classics as well and she she wrote a little bit about about that and sort mm. of how she reflected upon the fact that she studied classics rather than maybe um her own sort of heritage as ancient history. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that resonated with me as well.
0: And it kind of makes me wonder like can you study classics? Did you delve into fan fiction writing?
1: I know you tried to get I know you tried to get that out of me during the podcast. <laughs> I think I think I wrote well, not I think I know I wrote like maybe one chapter no <laughs> <Dromini. Safe space>. <laughs> <laughs> of Oh shame, of the yeah, because Dramini, if you don't know, is Dr- Draco and Hermione shipping, um, so a Dramini fanfic, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was too hard to keep that up because I just wasn't as good as other fanfic writers. I, I was better at reading them. <laughs>
0: Mm. is that um Dramine ship your otp for for younger listeners who are not on the tumblr platform otp stands for one true pairing it's the one ship that you will sail doesn't matter whether that ship sinks you will still sail it and uh yeah, was that like your OTP? Do you still have a copy of this uh, fanfic? <laughs> Do you remember the title of the fanfic?
1: I definitely remember the title, but I'm not sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sharing that to the world wide web. Um, okay, maybe I'll,
0: I'll share try it and... with you. Okay, I'll coax it out of you later. Yeah, I-, I won't. I won't expose you this time. But uh, if it's a good <laughs> fanfic, I'll definitely be making fan art of it. Okay. <laughs>
1: Did you write a fanfic? I don't remember if you said that on the podcast.
0: Uh, I attempted one but uh nah I I was more like writing's not my strong suit so it's like I always think of scenarios or I would be the one drawing the Mm. different like illustrations to accompany the fan fiction but to be honest I never I fan fiction I kind of got my frill from people's edits like how people edited different scenes and then they would put different dialogue and then that was almost like a, a fan mm. that was more visual for me so I I kind of did that yeah
1: so did you do a lot of fan art then
0: mm, I went through a phase um of drawing a lot of fan art I used to do like as I said Downton Abbey fan art um which I actually for anyone who does watch Downton Hugh Bonneville Lord uh what's his name Grand no what's his name oh god I can't I'm not a very good fan of mine
1: um
0: but basically the head of the household I drew a fan art of like his character and he reposted on Twitter once
1: um other
0: fandoms uh I've been invested in is like Harry Potter did some fan art for that um fan art for like Sherlock for yeah a few things I, I shan't go on anymore otherwise you might find it
1: Oh, yeah, I was just going to ask Carly, where can our listeners find your fan art? (laughs) (laughs) My my fan art
0: is uh, locked in a Tumblr blog that you will never, ever, ever, ever find. Yeah, it's uh, stored on an old hard drive that I will never um, unzip the files from.
1: Well, if I give you my fan fiction, maybe I'll coax out the fan art location from you. Oh,
0: shit, we need to exchange. Information is very valuable. Okay, maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, well, this
1: was But Where Are You From? A podcast by BC, Britain's East and Southeast Asian network. We were joined by Cynthia So. And Cynthia So's um, social handles are at C-Y-N-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-E on Twitter or at Cynthia So writes on Instagram. And we'll link that in the show notes. Remember to buy... Cynthia uh, So's book. If you still recognise me in bookstores from Thursday, the 9th of June,
0: and if you want to connect with us, and perhaps I'll give you a glimpse of our fan art and fan fiction, do connect with us uh, at B Scene B E S E A dot on Instagram or on Twitter, where probably a lot of the fan art will be hiding in, uh, B-E-S-E-A underscore N. And also, if you want to buy us a bowl of rice or a bowl of noodles for those who are hardcore noodle fans, do feel free to donate to our Ko-fi at uh, ko-fi.com forward slash be seen, and that's B-E-S-E-A-N. Until next time, readers, I'll do some deep digging into our hard drives to find that fan fiction. <laughs> Bye bye.
2: But where are you from? <laughs> um. Uh, sorry, I just might have to edit this thing because so I was like, oh, a message in the chat. <laughs>
0: okay I'm sorry I, my dad's making a lot of noise like a typical Chinese dad so um please edit that bit out and then carry on and I will wait until I'll notify him to be quiet I am so sorry I also got distracted I- at some point because I was
2: like oh we have the same bookcase from Ikea oh uh, yeah I saw that
0: as well <laughs>